Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Trip. Rob, welcome back to the table. It's a great table. Uh, my coffee ran out today. I'm going to have to get more before we get too far down the road, but we do have a good conversation. And do you remember, you were not here, actually. I wasn't. You were on a, no, you weren't even on an airplane. That's a long story. You were supposed to be on an airplane when I spoke to Sadie Robertson Huff yeah. about a year ago. And I couldn't have made it to the show because my plane delay was something like 11 hours. 11 hours, so, that's right. And you got stuck in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I Minnesota. All right. great, great people in Minnesota. Great I love people in Minnesota. I love Minnesota's got nothing to do with our show today. No. Okay. But what does have to do with the show is we're speaking to a young lady named Lainey Renee. She's an author, singer. She's been a backup dancer for uh, CCM artists, Britt Nicole and Mandisa. She's most recently authored a devotional book called Speak Your Name. And even more recently, just became the mommy of Ronnie Grace. But I bring up Sadie Robertson because her and Sadie are really good friends. And we want to welcome Lainey to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank y'all. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. So I have to ask this question because I've never been a backup dancer in my life. Jeff knows the running man. That's all he's got. <laughs> probably doesn't know what the running man is. Like that's probably, that's not a formal dance move. It's a nineties, like club move. Like when we were in middle school, bro. Anyways, we're way off topic. Sprinkler. So, right, no. Thank God we're not on video. <laughs> so how does a girl from Texas end up on sort of the CCM backup dancer lifestyle? Like how does yeah. that take place? Gosh, um, so when I was little, I loved to dance, but surprisingly, I was not one of those people that like grew up going to competitions, doing all the things, like trying to make it to be a backup dancer. I actually just love to perform and um, really just share Jesus. So I started out doing like a, a Christian group where we would go and perform at nursing homes and just share the goodness of who he was. And I fell in love with it then. And when I was about 17 years old, maybe 18, I actually saw Brit Nicole in concert. And I remember being in the audience and being like, God, like, I don't know. It was like at that point in my life where I was kind of like, what am I going to do with my life? Like mm -hmm. the place that we all get to when we're about to hit college and are we going to go to college? Or are we not going to go to college? Or um, I feel like that's more typical now, honestly, like trying to decide if you're going to go or not. <laughs> but um, I was at that point. And I went to a concert and I saw what she was doing. And I remember saying, God, I want to do something like that. I want to share who you are. I want to just, I don't know, I want to do ministry, but I also love to perform. How could this work? And um, long story short, basically, uh, I was in a dance crew at the time and somebody that I knew sent in a video audition to dance for Britt Nicole she put out a tweet and said, basically like, send in your videos to my new song, Gold. And he did it. And then a year later, basically she had two dancers and the other dancer couldn't make it to a show. And I had felt like God had told me like, get ready, like go ahead and prepare. And so I had learned all the choreography from YouTube. Oh my goodness. And this is not though, this is not a, whoa, that's awesome that you did that. It's really just crazy that that Jesus did this because it was so him just like leading me, like, go ahead and prepare, go ahead and get ready. And, um, and when the time came, she didn't have a dancer. 
she heard that I danced and asked me to step in. There was no rehearsal. There was nothing. There was no audition. It was just straight from my bedroom to the stage. And long story short, I was there for four years. So, and started dancing for her and really just fell in love with even more just that, like, not necessarily road life, like road life was fun, but just sharing who he is and also just hearing people's stories and stuff. It's really cool. Well, I think, I think there's a lot in, in that, just in that little bit of story that you told right there. I mean, the heart preparation, uh, yeah. you know, the gift preparation, just the willingness and the openness to, to respond to the spirit, because I mean, who would, who would, I mean, how many people would say, Hey, the Lord told, told me to go ahead and start practicing this dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of things in there. And I think this is very, very common for, um, you know, for people who are leading well in these spaces, it, and there's, there's an understanding, there's an awareness of the spirit that they're open and receptive to that God can actually move and move in and through in just the most incredible and supernatural ways. And so, so I, I mean, yeah, it, it's your story. It's like crazy that Jesus did it, but it's also crazy that you actually responded, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, could, cause you could have not repaired. Sure. Yeah. True? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think it's cool. Yeah. So I think too, where I just think it's, it was always crazy for me is I feel like a theme throughout my life is God has continued to qualify me for things that I really was unqualified for in that there are so many dancers who could dance so much better than me. And I didn't have the training that most people had. And, um, but it was like, okay, like you said, yeah, I heard get ready, but then he, it was like, almost like he just did it. I don't, I mean, it was truly him. So that's cool. Yeah, and I think so. So for the those that are younger listeners and and young adults listening, and you, you mentioned this a couple of times, you heard the Lord say, "Get ready," or you heard the Lord move. Because I think one of the conversations we have a lot with young adults is, "How do I hear from God? How did you know it was Jesus?" Um, one thing I always say is like just by His peace. You know, there is a when you have His Spirit within you there, your spirit agrees. When you hear things, it's either, okay, my spirit says yes to that, or I know that is not him. And I think when I heard that it brought me such peace. And I was asking for direction at the time that it just felt like it was un, it felt undeniable in the peace that it brought. And, um, and he continued to confirm it by showing me what to do next. It Mm. wasn't just one word. And then he left me there. It was okay, do this, now do this, now do this. And each step was there when it was time, I guess, to, to take that next step. And so he affirmed his word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your story, you kind of say, uh, you, you mentioned briefly that you kind of like the road life and, and the traveling. And I, I know it's energetic and fun and, and all those kinds of things. It's definitely different. Um, and so, but you say kind of the, these backstage conversations are really where, you learned the passion and the desire to want to be able to share Jesus. So, I mean, what were those backstage conversations like? And, and really, how was God forming you and molding you in those backstage conversations to, to come to this point? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it was just, Britt had a more, um, mostly like younger women, I guess, college age girls were her main fan base. And they would come backstage and they would just share their stories with us, share where they've been. A lot of them dealt with self-harm, um, 
eating disorders. Uh, and that was something personally I had walked through just um, when I was like 14, my own kind of eating, if you want to put a title on it, disorder. Um, and I would just hear their stories. And it was like that spirit within me <laughs> went, okay, I got to what, not what I can do, but God, what can you do? And how can you encourage them? And just give me the words to say, going back to listening, like trying to hear, what do I have to give? What can I, how can I bring freedom to them right now? And um, I think that way uh, outshined and outweighed what was actually happening on stage because on stage, they got to see something that was very cool and entertaining, but backstage was where the true like impact was able to happen. And it wasn't just something that they were impressed with from afar. They were able to have that connection face-to-face. -face. And the face-to-face -face is where my life changes, whether it's through another person or just feeling him encounter me. And so I think just for people, they need that, that encounter with the person to go, okay, I hear you. I hear you saying my life is worth living and um, that he has good plans for my life. And a lot of those women were not hearing that. Young girls were not hearing that at home. So I think it just gave me like, okay, we need more people who are sharing this, who are yeah. telling them that their life is worth living. And yeah. So walk us through that process. You said you were with Brittany Cole for four years um, and then with Mandisa for a period of time. When did it start to shift for you from sort of the backup dancer to God drawing on you and sort of laying out the plans for you to be the one having the conversations from mm -hmm. the kind of the bystander and kind of engaging maybe with it to being the one now engaging fully in the conversation with young ladies on yeah. some of these tough topics? Yeah. Um, so I was with Britt for about four years. And at the end of my time with her, I remember just feeling like God was like kind of just saying like this season is like coming to a close and I really didn't want it to because I loved it so much but it was kind of like I say it was kind of like my college years um it was four years but at the end of that season I remember just feeling like God was just kind of saying like I got I have more and he started just uh, we were on tour with Toby Mac at the time and um, I had never like sang in front of anyone or anything. And I remember I actually had a dream that I was like, I was on the bus and in my dream, I was in my bunk and, um, Toby, they do this thing called tour church. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that, but the whole tour gets together and we have church together. I didn't even know that was a thing. Cause it was at the beginning, it was my first tour with him. And so, um, but in my dream, he asked me to lead tour church. And I was like, how do you even know that I sing? But in my dream, I was like, yes, like I got this kind of thing. And I wake up and I had a text from our tour manager that said, hey, Toby wanted to know if you'd lead worship for tour church. And my immediate response was yes. But I remember hopping out of my bunk and being like, what did I just agree to? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is nuts. Um, but I did it. And I was so nervous. But that was just kind of the start of God showing me like, hey, like I'm kind of pulling you to the other side. And with that, like, I still get just as nervous, honestly. Like, it's not oh. like I feel like all of a sudden I'm like this great, strong, confident person, but my, my confidence has grown in who he is um, so much since that moment. And so I think um, that's just continued to carry over and that's just how it started. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to, we're going to get to the book in a few minutes and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But 
um, I mean, as a, as a young leader, as a young entrepreneur, as uh, a young performer, a young artist, um, all of those descriptors, I mean, um, it seems like you have a pretty intimate sort of relationship and understanding of how God speaks to you, of when God is speaking to you, what the spirit is saying as it resonates with your heart and your life and your mind. So that doesn't happen by accident. And I think, you know, that is obviously something that I think uh, for Jeff and I, as we kind of operate in this college campus culture that we're a part of, is that deep discipleship, that deep sort of hunger or depth and knowledge of God and the things of God. So in order for you to get to that place where you can hear God's voice so clearly and succinctly and perfectly and wonderfully and all those things, what, what was the cultivating sort of reality for that? Because do you have like a very strict uh, devotional life? Was mm -hmm. it poured into you? I mean, is it all of the above? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I would say like, I feel like people said that a lot. Like I grew up in a Christian home and that's kind of how it started. And right. yes, it, it, it does start there, but it doesn't, it's not really like, it's something that happens intimately, I believe on your own with Jesus. And um, when I was on the road, actually, um, I was very, I was kind of going through uh, a relationship that let's say I just didn't have peace in. I shouldn't have necessarily been in with a guy and um, nothing like, it was just, I just didn't have peace, honestly. And I was warring. I was warring with it. I kind of thought I wanted what I wanted. And um, I remember every time I would get in my bunk at night, I would close the curtain. I was just really broken, but I felt like God was meeting me there in a way that I had never experienced him before. And um, that was where my life really changed. And I felt like I encountered his love in a way that I never had before. And I remember just like, crying myself to sleep most nights, so broken and just saying, God, would you just hold me? Would you hold me? Like, I need to feel you close. Like, where, where are you in all of this? And I have never, like, he, his arms weren't physically there, but I felt such a tangible mm. presence of him holding me. And I would say that's just where it changed. It was no longer um, about my doing my goodness, my ability to get in my word every day, but a hunger for, for the word. And also just, um, I think I heard a lot of people growing up, like who were very dedicated. They wake up at five o'clock in the morning and they have their devotional time. And I think that's amazing. I respect people like that so much. That's not my personality. And so how am I going to fit? It was always like, how am I going to fit into that personality? But I think I've come to realize that my relationship with Jesus is like going to be unique. And that's a good thing. The same way my relationships with friends are unique. My relationship with him is unique. And so some days I go for a drive and I just listen to worship and I let him speak to me. Some days I wake up at five in the morning and I read my Bible, but it's out of freedom. It's out of who he is, not who I am and my own ability, but just leaning on his strength and him wooing me to, to himself. Like I go because I love him. I go because he loves me more than that. And I want to be with him. And so I think when it becomes relationship instead of duty, that's when everything truly changes. So I, I love that you're, you're willing to lean into the brokenness. I think one of the things we struggle with, um, 
as as just individuals, I think is is sort of pushing back the the pain, you know, that we we don't deal with it and and don't allow the the broken moments where God wants to move in to to move in, because we just try to either block the pain or just deal with it on our own. Mm-hmm. And I think more than one season in my life, Rob, is is the most intimate moments of the Lord have come at the most broken times in my life. Mm. And I think the Lord does meet us in our brokenness. That's just the character of who he is. And I think I, I love that part of the story that you're telling that, that in this brokenness of your life, you were able to just to fall on him. And he's such a safe place. Like we don't often understand that like God is safe. Like we can come to him with all of our mess, all of our brokenness. And he doesn't shun us. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't turn us away, but he invites us in. And that's, that's the redeeming part of the whole thing. And I, yeah. I'm glad you shared that. That's a great part of your story. And I want to play a quick game that's not on the notes here. Oh, boy. Quick Uh-oh. game. Uh, we're going to play Lenny <laughs> Renee. Bro, if it's math, I'm out. Like, no, I'm done. No, no, no. Okay. Ten numbers, but no math. <laughs> okay. We're going to play a game called Guess Laney's Enneagram. Oh, man. Oh. I have a guess. Do you have a guess? Uh, God, I'm, I'm a seven, so I'm always consumed with myself. So it's hard for me to guess. <laughs> It's hard for me to guess other people's Enneagram. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say you're probably another seven is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say she's a nine because she said the word peace 432 times. Yeah. I just feel like she's a good seven because she likes to dance and have a good time. So that's awesome. You're closer. I'm a six with a seven wing. Six. Listen, I did the same thing. If we play the track back, I did the same thing to Sadie because she was like, that's true, she that's goes, true. I have so much peace about that. I have so much peace. And I'm like, are you a nine? She's like, no, I'm a six. Thanks for thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> a six moves to nine in health. The whole thing, Ainsley Bridget said it all to us. Yeah. That's funny. So anyways, well, we love the Enneagram. And I was like, I got to know. I got to know her Enneagram. We need more sevens. You keep bringing on these twos and sixes. No, and we don't and... have that many twos on. That's a lie. Everybody's a seven that comes on this show. <laughs> Except for the sixes of her and Sadie. And Ainsley's a two. Anyway, oh, we, we, we love the Enneagram. But I, I was That's just awesome. you kept reflecting your personality. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't determine how we act. But it does sort of explain our motives behind oh, things. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious about that. And I was like, Sadie so, is very passionate about the Enneagram too. Oh, we so had a whole conversation. He was the one, honestly, who helped me discover what I was because we thought I was a nine. We thought I was a two, you know, and then we're like, nope, I'm a six, hardcore six with a seven wing. Okay. Which explains the adventure. Yes. And the adventure of the clothing brand. Now, what led you to start that? So I actually started styling Brit at first, Brit Nicole, when I was dancing for her and styling the band. And then that kind of just turned into one of the tours. Actually, the last tour I was on with her, um, I was like, let's paint denim. Like, let's do a denim thing and we'll all paint it and all this kind of stuff. And we did that together. And then from that, I, uh, I remember being at my apartment in Nashville and I was like god okay what's this like gonna look like what kind of purpose do you have in fashion and clothing and how is this gonna um, be a way that I can share who you are and um he gave me second corinthians 5 17 about if any man is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away all things become new and been made new and so basically I would go to thrift stores and get old clothing and take it and make it into something new. And I just wanted to 
people to have a tangible way to see what God did with their life um, and something that they could look at and be reminded of. And so the clothing has just words of encouragement. Some of it's scripture, some of it's just one word. Um, you're loved. It could be pretty much whatever I sit down and feel like God tells me to write, that's what I do. And so it's a way that I get to share him just through fashion. That's cool. We, uh, we have a lot of conversations on, on the podcast about the entrepreneurship of this generation, Gen Z, uh, specifically young adults. And it's true. Like we talk a lot about side hustle. We talk a lot about sort of these creative outlets with clothing or music or, you know, graphic design or whatever. Right. So how have you been able to sort of balance or manage or sort of intertwine the, the business ministry relationship, um, which, you know, is a great, great thing, but, mm-hmm. but sometimes one can take place more than the other or what sure. So how have you kind of lived that out in your, in your own world? Yeah, honestly, my personality, everything kind of just like falls into one. <laughs> I'm not the best at like making everything have its own place. And so I think with that, um, I just try and make it all about this sounds cliche a little bit, but truly just when it's about him, it all just kind of flows together. I don't, I can't separate it. I can't separate. All right. This is my business right now. This is my ministry. It's kind of like, okay, no, Jesus, it's either all going to be about you or it's none of it's going to be about you. And Um, And then I think on more like the logistical side, my husband is great with handling the actual business part of things. And so that helps me stay in a mental place where it's truly about the ministry and not letting it get distracted by numbers and things like that. Like, because that was, I did kind of walk through that a little bit of like, Mm. when I was doing it all myself, it was just like, this is distracting. This is taking away from what I truly want it to be about. So he stepped in and he handles the business side and I'm able to just focus on the heart and what I really feel like God has put on my heart to do. So. Yeah. Lane, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about um, how the, the clothing brand has kind of opened ministry doors for you. Um, the coolest thing is when I see people wearing it and like there were a few times I was at events and stuff and um, I would see girls walking around with the clothes on and they tell me their stories about how they had a conversation with somebody who said, what does that mean? You know, what, it, what does that word mean on your uh, shirt? Like some of them just say rest. And so then that girl gets to talk about the rest that she has in Jesus and how he leads her soul to, to rest in him. And so, um, yeah, it's mostly like hearing other people's stories. That's been really cool. Sometimes I feel weird wearing my own <laughs> stuff that I make, but, um, yeah, hearing their stories is pretty awesome. Awesome. So I got to know this because my wife and I like to visit Nashville when we can, obviously it's been a little bit restrictive now and we go in some of these stores that are like vintage stores. Yeah. So what is the difference between something that's thrift and like $5 and vintage and like $500? Because I can't tell the difference. Like I want to need to be educated. You know what? That's actually a question I still kind of have. I'm like, why? Because here's what happened. I started doing that. And then a year later, I went to the same store and the same kind of stuff that I had been buying had been up to like $100. And I was like, it's crazy. Hold up. Wait, is this vintage or is this thrift? Um, But sometimes you can find the same kind of thing at 
a goodwill as you can the vintage stores. It so. may just be where they drop it off. Maybe I need to take my clothes more to a vintage store because there you go. <laughs> I don't know, but my my seventeen year old daughter's gotten into the the goodwill shopping and like she'll crush it. She'll take fifteen dollars and outfit herself for like three days and like you which, can get good stuff. Praise God. <laughs> Listen, as as a product of the eighties, if I had kept my members only jackets, oh, you'd be a billionaire. Oh yeah. I mean, like I had the collection, the baby blues, the blacks. I mean, all of it. Like I was in, you know, the anything from the full house collection of dad sweaters would sell well too now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that true. and like all all Levi's stuff is just like that's that's true, yeah. So so what about fashion was really the draw for you? I mean, you talked about the performing and the ministry and all of that. Then you mentioned the outfitting Brit Nicole. What drew you to the fashion aspect of it? Was it something always there or something kind of discovered along the way? Yeah, no, I think I just always loved, like, I love, this is going to sound very girly, but I loved shopping and it was just kind of like, okay, how can I make this a thing? And I think that's what a lot of like young people are doing now is they're finding what they love and they're trying to figure out how they can do it for the rest of their lives. And so <laughs> that's what I was doing. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And I I don't know. I just like, I started playing around with my own like clothes. I had taking old things, making it new. I took a pair of shorts or jeans, cut them off, made them shorts. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. <laughs> I can start this and make this a thing. I think that's such a, a, a distinguishing marker between perhaps my generation, definitely from the boomer generation where this great sense of ob obligation almost and fidelity towards finding that career or that job and really sticking through it. You know, for example, my dad, you know, he worked in the same, he legitimately worked in the same location for 42 years, same factory right now. He moved up through the organization and that's great, but he, he literally worked in the same place for 42 yeah. years. And, and comparatively to, to our, the younger generation, we're kind of stuck in the middle as, as Xers, but um, this whole idea of, well, today, for example, I'm going to dance tomorrow. I'm going to sing next week. I'm going to do the, uh, do the uh, clothing gig. And, and the week after that, I'm going to be, a, it sounds Instagram. chaotic. Doesn't it? it sounds chaotic. Right. So how, how do, how do you manage sort of the, I won't say the, not the changing identities, but sort of the changing sure. expressions of all that God has put into you. Like, I mean, what is, what is that like for you? Because it's, I don't think it's typical for older dudes like Jeff and I, right. Who did yeah. the running man back in the eighties. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I said, it kind of all goes together. I feel like it all, if I can look at it all as one is this is my ministry that helps me mentally to step into each day. If it is different, um, right now I'm not backup dancing. I'm I've stopped doing that. Um, I still write all the time, but I think what I've learned for me is like, God is so about seasons. I think for all of us, like he works in seasons. And so he has taken me through the season of backup dancing. And then he took me through the season of starting a clothing brand and all my focus was going to that. And then um, right after that, I started writing my own music and each thing kind of led to its own, led to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And um, with the book, like that was after writing music and it was, I can, I can kind of start to feel like, okay, what am I? Like this world is so loves titles. Like that's the question we ask each other. What do you do? What do you do for a living? And so, yeah. um, 
I felt like a few years ago, I was so wrapped up in my title as a backup dancer. And I felt like God freed me of that, that I so don't want a title now. Like I, I don't, I don't have one word that I can tell people that, oh, this is what I do, but I do feel like he showed me who I am. And so if I just remember who I am as his, then everything else is makes like, he makes a way for that. And, um, it's not confusing and I'm able to step into the new thing each day. So I think it's just really like remembering who I am allows me to do the, the different things. It's such um, a healthy echo, Lainey, of, of other conversations we've had. I think of our conversation with Arden Revere and his book um, on labels. And there's a other young adult minister that we were friends with in Garrett who has a book on labels. And so, and this whole idea of shedding the labels and, and creating more of an identity, finding your identity in Christ seems to be the healthy echo in your generation, which I love because our generation, like you said, we were all about like, I am this and we get stuck into this sometimes and we got to go look for another this to be fulfilled. But it sounds like really there's a healthy transition generationally and going, I, this is who I am and it's expressed this way. Um, and it's expressed in different ways. And now you're into the writing. You just wrote your first book. So you had a double baby in 2021. You had the <laughs> book and the, the actual baby. Tell us what led you to the writing of the book, Speak Your Name. Yeah. So Speak Your Name was actually a song, is a song. It was, um, I wrote it probably two years ago now. Um but I was driving to a writing session and I actually just started singing, my generation won't be known by fear and anxiety. And because when I speak your name, those things have to leave. And so speak your name, the book is basically based off of the song. It's just more in depth, but I was just having a lot of conversations with people my age, um, even friends that would say things like, I have anxiety, I have this fear, or I have this disease, and um, just titles, titles for sicknesses, titles for um, even things that are notable, like things we admire, um, we hide in these titles, and um, mainly it was that I have anxiety that just, it would just stay with me, and it hurt my heart that that was the things that we were just speaking of ourselves and accepting. It was like, this is not the life that we were designed to live. This is really as good as it gets. Like, mm -hmm. this is a life Jesus has for me that I'm just going to live with anxiety. And, um, but no, like, I, I don't believe that God created us for a life where we still live with these things. They may come, we deal with these things in this world, but we have him and that is truly what we have. We have the one who has overcome sickness, disease, um, every name that is to be named. There's scripture that says he is above every name that is to be named. And that's the name of anxiety. That's the name of depression. And we don't have to speak those things of ourselves. It's we get to say his name. We get to believe that he's what we have and all that that holds. So yeah. Um, a couple of things. I have, I'm not sure if I have a two-part question yet or not. It'll, it'll come. <laughs> it's there in the old thinker. But uh, now I think this particular issue that you're talking about, um, especially for young adults, Generation Z, uh, nearly 40% of all incoming freshmen have a diagnosable mental illness or disease or disorder, depending on your, 
your description, one in six Generation Z students have some kind of sexual identity crisis or gender dysphoria crisis about their sexuality. There's there's all kinds of uh, books and literature now being written about those about those realities. But my larger point is this particular issue of anxiety, mental health seems to be a very critical conversation for your generation. Now, here's the caveat to that conversation. We've talked a lot about the entrepreneurial uh, different expressions and different ways in which God is using you to make him himself known through you. And I love that. I think one of the, the entrapments or the, the, the cautions that I, that I'm hearing from research, which is my job, right? That's not your job. That's my job is that Jesus has just become another brand. And so we have a lot of Christian conversations about the Jesus brand, right? But to tackle anxiety, to tackle fear, to tackle mental health, Jesus can't simply be a brand or another brand that's competing for our Mm -hmm. attention or our time. So in, in your heart, which I know is, is pressing so hard to make Jesus real for other people. um, How are you sort of navigating around or through those conversations where Jesus is just another brand that you're maximizing in your own personal life? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as you say that, I just like, he's, I hear he's a person, you know, he's not a brand, he's a person and he's a person I have relationship with. And I think people know when they, I feel like most of the time we know when we encounter fake, when people right. are faking, it's like, mm, you know, it just, it doesn't, Jesus is real. So the encounter is going to be real and we're going to hear him and I also think he's contagious and he's um he's 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 a a, we're attracted to him because of his love in the way that he uh the way that he loves us it's hard to deny and so I think I've had I have I do have conversations where I'm like you know, it does feel like just Jesus is an accessory or something I've added to my right. uh, Instagram bio to make me look more right. spiritual or I don't know, make me look like I'm the whole package. But um, the thing is, is like, even with Instagram and everything, like it's such a, yes, it's like a highlight reel. And, but people, even though they like Instagram and people in my generation, we, it's fun and everything we're still looking for real. Mm-hmm. Like we can still smell the fake, even when we're being fake, it's like yeah. fake attracts more fake in some way. And so I think it's just, you know, and um, his spirit within you shows you. And um, I think just remembering he's a person and he's not a brand. And so when I'm talking to other people, I want to show, I want to show the person, I don't want it to be cute. I want them to leave feeling like they just were, they were just with him. They were just right. like, he's so real inside of me that they leave going, wow, what was that? You know, I feel just this crazy love, or I feel like I just heard an answer for something that I've been asking for forever. You know, that they'll encounter the real. Yeah. I love that. I love the focus on the authenticity will trump the artistic, you know, I, I love, I love the way you express that. So 
and again, I obviously was not accusing you of using oh, sure. it as a brand. It's just these are the these are the types and levels of conversations yeah. that you know we're we're having. And, and so I think it beckons a good question, Lainey, for you as somebody who your brand is on Instagram and that's part of your platform. How have you guarded um personally not not becoming inauthentic? Yeah. I actually was just having a conversation. I think with my husband about this the other day, because people come up to me and they're like, Oh, I follow you, you know, and there's almost like something it's my flesh. My flesh instantly feels like, Oh, I have to be something, you know, I got to make sure this moment with this person is the most special encounter they've had that I'm everything they think I am on social media and all of that. But that's really the last thing that they need. They need to see me real and in my moment trying to have a conversation. Maybe maybe me and my husband are trying to figure something out and we're having a deep conversation or maybe I'm trying to calm down my baby or maybe I'm having a bad day and I'm just so discouraged and they need to see that. They need to see me and my weakness. And um, I've been thinking about that thought a lot lately. We feel this pressure to just be so strong. Like it's so like, we, we just even like a lot of Christians talk about like being strong, being strong, being strong. And we forget how to get there. And that's in our weakness. Like we, yeah. we talk more about our weakness and then that's when he's strong. It's not us being strong. It's him. So. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so you've done some work with with your friend Sadie and Live Original. Kind of, how have you partnered with the, with Sadie and that team, and what are you doing with them over there? Sure. Um, well, Sadie and I are best friends. So first and foremost, we're friends. Um, but any opportunity we get to do anything together, we're all over it. We love it. And um, I just did a couple Bible studies with them. She has a thing called Elo Sister, and it's an app. And so I have written a lot for that and. Um, I do their blogs, write for their blog all the time. And really just anything I get to do with her is pretty awesome. So awesome. Listen, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Uh, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we have one final question. We got to kind of twist it and tweak it and a little bit. We typically talk to people who have had a college experience, but your experience was on the road. So I'm going to turn this question a little bit around. What did you learn in your experience on the road that did not take place on the stage? See how I fix that? I did. (laughs) Uh, It kind of goes back to what I've shared a little bit already, but just really just following peace, following his spirit, not trying to um, have all the answers for what's next. I think that's a pressure that a lot of us feel at between 18 and 24 or 25, however old you are listening to this, if you're at that place, it's okay. Um, but just listen, listening to his peace and knowing that he's going to show you when the next step, um, when you're supposed to take the next step. So, and not, not just don't worry about it. Like, um, also don't fight against it. I definitely, in that dating relationship, um, I was trying to create peace and tell myself it was good when in my spirit, I knew it wasn't, wasn't good. And so just trust the peace that it gives you and trust that what he has for you is just far beyond your wildest imagination in the very best way. So I would never, I could have never imagined just the relationship I have with my husband and the peace that God has filled it with. And 
um, just who he is as a man and, um, and who Jesus is in him. Like I, I couldn't have asked for that. So God is so beyond faithful. Right. That is cool. Well, the book is speak your name. Um, Lainey, where can we find the book? Uh, you can find it on Amazon, Target, Walmart. Uh, you can go to my website at laneyrenee.com. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And it's where are you at on social so we can follow you as well? I am Hey Laney Renee. <laughs> hey girl. Yeah, I hey girl. I had to do it. Wow. Show your age. I'm so sorry. I'm mean, <laughs> myself right now. This is terrible. It's awful. Well, hey, Lady Renee on Instagram and in Rob's world as well. As we always say here at the Leadership Drip, Lainey, you have a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on. It's been a Thank y'all so much. This was so fun. Hey, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table.